This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NFL Friday and the final episode of the regular season Guys, it flies by Emmanuel Rivari, Artemis Segaris alongside me. And guys, this season absolutely flew by. I feel like the first weekend of September was yesterday. Pretty crazy that everything's about to be simplified. We're only going to have a couple matchups per week now. But that does not come without a significant Week 17 where we have multiple games that are going to decide playoff spots. A lot of shuffling could go on in both conferences. So excited to get the show on the road. Yeah, I agree with what you said. I feel like at this point, um, usually it's just playing games for the sake of playing games, but there are so many games that are on on the line for teams this week and so many important games, and I'm excited to see what you guys think about them. Yeah, AFC uh, is the most intriguing to me because there's so many direct paths. I hate when we get to the point where it's like, if they win, if they lose, and if we have a tie in this game, right. they'll get in. No, I like to see a lot of direct paths. So the most interesting matchup, First of all, and we'll get into the Giants and Jets uh, in a little bit, but the most interesting divisional matchup to me is the AFC North, uh, Ravens-Browns and Steelers-Bengals. So if the Ravens win, they're in. If the Ravens lose and the Steelers win, the Steelers are in. And this is incredibly intriguing to me just because of what happened last week in the Steelers-Saints game where Pittsburgh basically handed that game away to the Saints and Mike Tomlin deciding to call the fake punt pretty much took away the Steelers' chances of winning the division. Um, Manuel, what do you think about that decision overall, and what do you think that has in store for Mike Tomlin? I think it made things a heck of a lot more interesting in that division, which you got to love. Now you have so much parity in that division where even the Steelers going up against the Bengals, now you'd like to think it's a sure thing, but it's really not. You, you have so many teams in that division within striking distance, just a few teams on the outside looking in. You have the Browns who... You can make the case are a playoff caliber team at this stage of the season, and that's no sure thing for the Ravens, even though they just want to win and get in. Uh, the Mike Tomlin decision just put everything into chaos in this division, and you, hon- you honestly got to love it at this point because now you have a bunch of shuffling that could go on this weekend. Yeah, I honestly never thought that I'd say like a Browns game would be interesting, especially after last year, but the fact that they're actually a contender this year and the fact that they might actually beat the Ravens is just very interesting, especially this late in the game. Um, Yeah, I'm excited for that one. So the Ravens, though, at one point in the season, we kind of wrote them off. Harbaugh was on the hot seat. Everyone wanted Flacco out of town, and then they go and put Lamar Jackson in, and it completely changes the dynamic of this offense. Do you think he's for real, and do you think that this can actually be sustained out in Baltimore? Yeah, I do think he's for real. I mean, he came back and he kind of turned their season around. And I definitely think that with him this year, they could make it. And that next year, he could kind of carry them. Do you think that Do you think that it can last, though? Do you think that it can go beyond this season and maybe a bit of a playoff run? I'm not sure if you guys are on the same page here, but I think Lamar Jackson is perfect for that system. And I think he's perfect for what the Ravens are trying to do right now. But this has written all over it a scenario where the Ravens make a big run this year because they're riding the hot hand. They're not putting Joe Flacco right back in that mix. Then Flacco walks this offseason. They proclaim Lamar Jackson to be the guy, and then things fall apart. I I I think this has just an 
eerily similar feeling to so many of these scenarios where you've had lightning in a bottle and then things fall off at the end. So while I think this is perfect for the Ravens right now, and it's almost a perfect storm, although my pick later is not going to indicate that, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out down the road. But right now, in the Ravens system, best defense in the AFC, what they have Lamar Jackson doing, the type of quarterback he is, it's right for this year. I just don't think it'll pan out two, three years from now. Yeah, I feel like it can. And I think so because he's such a superior athlete to all the other guys that we've seen come through. RG3 was a nice was a nice athlete, in my opinion. The way Lamar Jackson is running the ball, I'm just so impressed with what he's able to do. Yes, he has to improve in his passing game, but I think that can happen. I think he can improve that medium and deep throw accuracy over the top. He's able to get those eight-yard slants. He's able to throw those out, out routes outside six, seven yards. So I like what he's able to do right now. But, yes, he has to improve. Um, in terms of the playoffs, I don't know. I, I feel like they're dangerous, but I'm not so sure about Lamar Jackson up against a Chargers team that's really well-prepared uh, going into that game because each week it's just teams shuffling saying hey we got to figure out how to beat this unique weapon and if you give a team a lot of time and a lot of focus to be able to do that I think he can be stopped yeah I definitely don't know if the Ravens are going to go all the way if they even make the playoffs but I do think that they will make the playoffs and if or when they do I definitely think that they're going to be a team that's underestimated but with Lamar Jackson I think that they're actually going to make a run for it and you know they could make it all the way hypothetically I do think they'll run into a more prepared team mm -hmm. I, I kind of agree with you in that sentiment David where you if a team has enough time to prepare for everything they've seen from Baltimore I do think experience could prevail especially with a team like LA and a quarterback like Philip Rivers has been there done yep. that and now finally wants to make his run so I do think there's a potential of them being stopped but I do think if they get in there is a strong possibility that it could be a perfect storm for Baltimore with their defense, with a guy like Lamar Jackson who's taking the league by storm to kind of run the table. That's what makes these AFC playoffs so interesting. It's no longer a foregone conclusion that you're going to have New England running through the playoffs. Yes, they yes. may not even get a first-round bye. Uh, let's go Jets this weekend. But <laughs> you have the rest of these teams in the in the conference, a dark horse team like Baltimore that's arisen the last couple of weeks. You have a team like L.A. that's been solid all the way through. You have KC, which is a powerhouse. Yep. It's going to be such an exciting AFC playoffs. No, and I think you both bring up really good points about Baltimore. But flipping the script to Pittsburgh, their, their future right now, I mean, their foreseeable future, Week 17, the 2018 season, it looks pretty bleak. I don't see them getting into the playoffs. But if they do get in on that off chance, do you, can they do some damage? I think there's too much internal fire that's gone in Pittsburgh this year. I just don't see them as a team that's going to put it everything together at the right time and kind of recollect and be one of these teams that has the experience and just regroups and then goes from there. I, I'm too skeptical of Pittsburgh. I have been all season that I think they will get in ultimately, and you'll hear more about that later. But when they get in, I think they're going to hit a block in the road. Could you see them winning a home playoff game against the Chargers? Because that's what the matchup would presumably be. I'm really not sure if they would uh, win the home field advantage, but I do agree or with just that one game. You know, they win the division, have that home matchup, home home matchup against the Chargers. I'm not sure, actually. I definitely think that they will make it, but I, so you think I, they'll win? So you think they'll win that game? Ravens lose that, their game against the Browns. I don't know. You know, it's it's really complicated. Um, 
I do think the Ravens will win, but I also also think the Steelers will win. Yeah, um, so that'll, that'll have the Steelers so, on the outside looking in. Um, and I just want to shift it all over to Colts-Titans because that's a win and in, and that'll just get the sixth seed. So, I mean, this is just a straight-up divisional matchup. I think they're both pretty evenly matched teams. Who wins? One know, of the who, bigger toss-ups we're going to see. Yeah. I, I could see anything happening in this game. But when it comes down to my pick, I pick the – a, more experienced quarterback, and B, the quarterback I have more faith in. And that's ultimately going to be Andrew Luck 10 times out of 10. So while I see this as kind of the perfect storm for both sides, they're going to clash, they're pretty much evenly matched teams, I like the quarterback in this matchup, and I've liked Andrew Luck all season. He's back. We'll get to it later in the pickums, but I really like the Colts in this matchup just because of a guy named Andrew Luck. I'm also with the Colts, um, especially what you said because of luck. But after their performance last week against the Giants, I am a little wary of picking him just because the Giants were up, what was it, 17-3 at halftime? Just the fact that a team that was at that point 5-9 and nine was beating them by that much. I mean, even though the Colts turned it around and ended up winning, you know, I... I, I don't know, but I do think that the Colts will end up winning. The one thing teams. I would keep in mind there is the Giants aren't your typical 5-9 and nine yeah. team. Sure. I, I would sure. say the Giants can compete with any playoff contender on a day where everything comes together. So that's the one reason I wouldn't say to be wary of the Colts entering this week because if the Giants are competing with you, I think it speaks more to how well the Giants are playing than how poorly you are. I, if you get what I'm saying there. So the Giants have another matchup against one of those playoff teams, and we'll discuss those New York football Giants coming up next. So week 17, they played the Cowboys in week two and lost, and now... Uh, the allure of this rivalry has begun to fade as neither team has been great at the same time. But we'll take a listen to this week's report, the last one of the 2018 season. The bar was set high for the Giants in 2018. Many saw this team as a playoff and even a Super Bowl contender. It was a season full of questions, and the most important ones still don't have an answer. Can Odell Beckham be trusted? Was Pat Shermer the right guy for the job? Was a running back the right pick at number two? Can Eli Manning lead a winning team? If you ask 10 people, you'll probably get 10 different answers. And that leaves Dave Gettleman in a tough spot going into the offseason. Big Blue wraps up their season at home against the Cowboys. Dallas has the division and their playoff spot locked up. Despite that, anticipate Dak Prescott getting a significant number of snaps on Sunday. As for Ezekiel Elliott, he'll be seeing a limited workload if he touches the field at all. The Cowboys offense revolves around Elliott, and I doubt they're willing to put him at risk in a meaningless game. Much like Elliott, I think Saquon Barkley should see a limited number of carries. He's had an unbelievable rookie year, and I don't think a shortened day will stunt his growth at all. For Manning, lots of questions still surround his future. Statistically, he turned in a pretty good season, but it didn't help the Giants win games this year. The G-Men are built around their offensive weapons, and they need a quarterback that's going to elevate the play of those weapons, not vice versa. With several options out there, I believe it's time for the Giants to move on from Manning and consider a strong option while Barkley and Odell Beckham are still in their prime. 
Beckham will miss his fourth straight game with a quad injury ending his 2018 campaign. On the season, he finished with 77 catches for over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns, plus two passing touchdowns. While the Giants are six-point favorites heading into this one, I think Dallas takes it 21-13, and the Giants round out the season at 5-11. Covering Big Blue, I'm David Spampanato, WFUV Sports. So I've said this week in, week out, I had this team going 10-6. and six. Now I can see them going 5-11 and 11 as I don't have them winning their Week 17 matchup against Dallas. Um, I think it'll all really come down to how much we see Dak Prescott right. and Ezekiel Elliott because they have the four seed locked in, because they have the division title. But you want to keep your guys fresh. You know, you kind of reach that point where it's, oh, do we want to play our guys and keep them fresh or do we want to save them and not let them get hurt? I could see them playing a quarter, maybe a half, you know, but at the same time, I think the Giants maybe want to go and run Kyle Oletta out there and draw back Saquon's Bar- Saquon Barkley's carries. I'm not sure if we see Loletta. I think they've been so just unbelievably hesitant on that guy all season that I think they ride Eli Manning through the end of this season almost to make a statement if anything but there were rumors that the Cowboys wouldn't even bring Zeke and Dak on this trip they were just going to leave him back Mm -hmm. in Dallas and say "Eh, you know what we don't want to risk anyone touching you up in New York let's leave you back and, and get ready but I think it would be good for this Dallas team especially one of these more underrated NFC playoff teams to get some more reps, be ready to go, be geared up for the following week because Dallas is that team you could always see getting complacent and then having a team like Seattle walk into their home field and completely take them by storm the first week of the playoffs. So I would like to see at least two quarters out of these guys, but for the reason that we won't see them the full game and the Giants will be going hard trying to pick up a W here, I'm going to like the Giants in this one, but I think Dallas does need to take this approach very carefully because – depending on how complacent their team gets, you got to love a team like Seattle entering these playoffs, and I don't think Dallas is much of a home field advantage when it comes down to it coming to week one of the playoffs. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in the fact that I think the Giants are also going to win. Um, I do think that Manning is going to play. I don't think that they're going to bring Kyle Aletta out. Like you said, just to make a statement, I think they're going to want to finish the year hopefully strong with him in the hopes that they win, but I... I do think that we are going to see, like, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott at least for half the game. Yeah, so you guys discussed Eli, um, that he'll be playing. You both think that he'll be playing this entire game. Do you see it being his last game for the Giants? No. I think he's going to start week one next year, and it's going to take something massively wrong to dethrone him because I think the Giants have reached a point now where they've stuck with Eli for so long and not gone the quarterback route that you just saw Herbert declare for the draft. You didn't declare, yeah. Didn't declare for the draft, rather. And then you have a bunch of quarterback prospects that aren't nearly the caliber of what we saw last year. And you're going to see all these options arise that may be better than Eli Manning, but the Giants don't believe are better than Eli Manning, whether that be a Flacco, whether that be a Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's going to be the quarterback next year. And whether he makes it to the end of the season or not is really going to be prudent on – results but I I just don't see anything that could dethrone him for week one I also think that he's going to play next year I I'm an Eli fan I've been a fan of his the entire time I'm just genuinely worried because obviously the offensive line is not where it needs to be and I'm just scared he's going to get hurt that's my I, I don't know if you guys agree with this but I think if he had a decent offensive line 
he'd be a decent quarterback. I mean, obviously he's not going to be great, but I do think that they would have more than five wins. Look, it's not that I don't think he wouldn't be decent. It's just that this team's built around offensive weapons, right? So if you have Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, the list goes on and on of the talent on this team. So you need a guy that's going to be able to facilitate their talent, and I don't think Eli is the best option for that. Nick Foles is a free agent. I think that's a really nice option. What I think they should really be looking into is Derek Carr. Why not? That's fair. Why I, not? I, I don't see any reason why Eli should be the quarterback. And I, I know I said that he'll probably be the quarterback week one next year. That speaks more to the Giants regime right now than anything else. Because I don't think Eli is the guy. I think this should be his final game in a Giants uniform. Mm-hmm. And that's no disrespect to a future Hall of Famer. It's just a matter of what you need at this present time. And the Giants need a mobile quarterback. They need your typical today quarterback. And my take on it, I like the car take, but I'm a Bridgewater guy. Okay. I think he's still young enough and not old enough where he's a mobile guy. He's proven a lot this year. He may demand a lot of money, but you bring him in, you at least give him a run at it for a year before potentially falling back into the draft options of the following year, maybe a Tua or whoever mm-hmm. you may be going for. If you catch lightning in a bottle with a guy like Bridgewater, you go 10-6, and 11-5 next year, which I think is feasible with their weapons. This guy's 26. This guy's still a young man in this league, so... I'm a big Bridgewater guy. I think that's the route the Giants should go. And the Giants' window at this point is about four years. Because in four years, Odell Beckham will be 30. Saquon Barkley's contract will be up. And I don't think you can just burn time sending Eli Manning out there and saying, I hope we have a good offensive line because they're so volatile year to year. You see it with the Dallas Cowboys. You never exactly know what you're going to get with an offensive line, even if you have good players on that line. Nate Solder's a nice player, but he's not performing this year, and that wasn't what we saw in the past couple of years. So I think you need to get a guy like I, – I like Bridgewater. I do. I think Derek Carr is better, but right. I think Bridgewater is a more realistic option. And then you stick with Eli Manning with the hope that somehow he develops the ability to roll out of the pocket and make throws, throw down the field more than 25 yards effectively. You, you go into the season with that hope. And let's say he does. Let's say he, he develops that ability overnight. What are you getting a year out of him? Yeah, Max? exactly. Yeah. And then you're going to the draft. You're drafting a quarterback. And then that's a process. Yep. So you're wasting this four-year window. So if you bring in a guy like Bridgewater, at least you give yourself that chance for a year. If it doesn't work out, God forbid, you go back to the draft. But it gives you more of a chance to maybe have that four-year run of dominance. Do you think there's a case to be had for a rookie coming in and taking over at quarterback in 2019? I don't think that they're going to bring a rookie in and just throw him in in week one. I think if they take a rookie, they're still going to keep Eli Manning. I don't think that they would go for a veteran or someone else if they go for a rookie in the first few rounds of the draft. If they do that, they're going to keep Eli Manning and they're going to play him week one and they're kind of going to have that rookie playing from under him. Or, you know, they're going to start playing him next year. But Mm -hmm. like you said, they don't have the time to do that. I I think that they should just get someone from another team like Carr. I've been saying that they should get Carr from halfway through the year and maybe also get a rookie and just kind of have them build off of each other. And that's why Bridgewater is my take and it's not the organization's take because if Bridgewater's in here, he's not here to be Eli's backup. He's a a free agent right now, well, after the season, going to demand a lot of money. He's not going somewhere to be a backup. He's not going to be what Kurt Warner was to Eli or vice versa where you're just waiting to take the reins. So... Eli's not a guy who's going to mentor a young quarterback at this point in his career, and he's also not a guy that's going to let the reins go loosely. So 
if Bridgewater's here, he's a starter from week one. I just don't see that happening. Hey, we could have another scenario like the Jets did, where they go McCown, <laughs> Bridgewater, Darnold, but instead we could get Eli Manning, Teddy Bridgewater, and, I don't know, Will Greer? Maybe. Something like that. <laughs> but um, for those Jets, they're taking on the Patriots in their final game of the season. Big game for Sam Darnold. And uh, we'll have Vinny DeBellis' Jets report, and we'll talk Jets after this. So like I said, we have Vinny DeBellis' final Jets report of the season, taking on the New England Patriots. Does he want them to win? Does he want them to get that better draft pick? We'll take a listen. Another week, another blown fourth quarter lead by the New York Jets. Gang Green had every opportunity to put away the Packers at home, but was plagued by a combination of self-inflicted penalties and the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. The Jets were penalized 16 times for 172 yards, many of which head coach Todd Bowles felt were unwarranted. It's frustrating not being able to put them away, and we had our chances to put them away. And taking no credit from them, but you know, we can't play two teams. I'm sure I'm getting fined already, so I care not to even say anymore, but something's got to be done about that. I mean, that, 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 that's ridiculous. Some positive takeaways from the game. Sam Darnold had another stellar week to build on his performance against the Texans, and the Jets didn't hurt their draft position. This week, the Jets head up to Foxborough to take on a Patriots team that has a potential first-round buy as motivation to give it their all. While New England certainly doesn't have the weapons of a 2007 Randy Moss or young matchup nightmares in the 2010 versions of Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, the Pats find ways to win at this time of the season. Knowing that they have everything on the line while the Jets are just playing spoiler is enough for me to confidently pick the Pats. Add the fact that the Jets haven't won in Foxborough since the 2010 playoffs, and that the Pats have won eight of the last nine matchups against the Jets, and the Jets' upset seems increasingly unlikely. It's been a rough year for the Jets to say the least, but they are trending in the right direction, competing in games down the stretch with a depleted offensive arsenal. An upset of the Jets' biggest rivals would end a disappointing season on a high note, but I just can't see it happening. Look for the Jets to compete early and for the Pats to take over in the second half. I'll go Patriots 31, Jets 18. Covering the... I'm Vinny DeBellis, WFUV Sports. All right, so week 17, Jets, Patriots. Jets are 13 and a half point underdogs going into this one in Foxborough. E-Man... Huge game for Sam Darnold since he's been playing so well as of late. I think it's imperative that he finishes on a high note after he's played so well. I think it is. I think he could get roughed up a little bit, and the Jets still have a big offseason and do everything they want to do moving forward. But this would be such a confidence lift for this young guy who's been one of the better quarterbacks in football for the last three, four weeks. So you look at what Sam Darnold's done. You look what he's built. You look what he did last week against a superstar in Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, went toe-to-toe with him, did what he needed to do. Everything's trending in the right direction for Sam Darnold. I don't care whether the Jets win or lose this game, and I think everything would indicate they will lose this game. But if Sam Darnold's able to go out there, his first meeting against the Patriots, since he wasn't in there for the Mm -hmm. first one, and have a good showing, that does worlds for him heading into 2019. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that the Jets are going to be able to win because they're playing New England at home. But I do think Sam Darnold is going to have a great game, especially, like you said, after what he showed against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it was just an incredible game and it kept everybody on the edge of their seats. I was basically screaming at my TV and it was just 
an incredible game. So I do think he's going to finish strong. Do, do I think that'll get them a win? No, but I do think it's going to be a good game for him. Look, I've, I haven't really been on the Darnold train this season just because I defended the Saquon Barkley pick at number two. So it kind of turned into an anti-Darnold thing, which I think was dumb on my part. You can be pro-Saquon and pro-Darnold. You can. I don't think people realize that. I, yeah. I, I think everyone who argues it doesn't realize that, but you can be a fan of both. I realized it, but over time, just the the Twitter. It's right. Twitter.com. It's so hostile. does what Twitter.com does. And yes, it's so hostile. And it makes you take one route or the other. But what I've seen from Darnold has been really impressive as of late. Um and, you know, it just seems like the Jets have their guy. But more importantly, do the Jets have their weapons around him? And it's a really important game for those guys who are playing for a contract in Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse. Um, Curse isn't playing. Oh, Curse isn't playing? They announced him inactive and Quincy Anunwa as well. So okay. And Anunwa just got that contract, too. Yeah, so, so you're without a couple of weapons here. Uh, maybe they're not trying to get them that exposure before the offseason. I don't know what the deal is, but I believe I saw today both of those won't be out, won't be in the mix. So it's going to be rough for Darnold to have options to work with, but I guess that has to stop them in a week's past. Yeah, So, but still, big game for Robbie Anderson and as he's looking for a contract. Um, before I get to Todd Bowles, I want to talk free agency and who the Jets should be looking at because they have about $100 million in cap space going into this offseason. Um, it... To me, I don't know how you can't go and sign Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely have to. I, I just don't see – it's a match made in heaven um, to pair him up with Darnold in the backfield. I don't see how he finally comes off the books. The Jets have been rumored to have been eyeing this guy as a trade target for a while. Now you have the cap space. Now he's available. This guy's a transcendent talent in terms of running backs. Then you have to get him in here. I, I think you just got to find a way to do it. And I don't think he would object being a Jet either, especially from indications of the past. Yeah, if he's coming back, I definitely think that the Jets have to do everything in their power to get him. He would just bring a whole different approach, I think, to the entire team. And I do think that they would have a chance at being a playoff team next year with him alone. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I, I, you know, Especially with the way that the Patriots have not dialed it not necessarily dial the back, but just haven't been as dominant as they have been in the past. Um, and with the AFC, just you never know. Like everyone thought Jacksonville was going right. to be up there this year. You don't really know in the in the AFC or in the NFL at this point. Um, but I think you got to go Bell. And even if you're going to draft a pass rusher, Glennon Farrell, you know Ed Oliver, whoever it might be at that top spot, I think you need to go after a pass rusher as well. Maybe let Leonard Williams walk. I, I think he's overrated, truthfully. Right. I think Dante Fowler could be a good option, but you got to spend the money this offseason. You can't just keep letting it roll over and say, oh, we'll just do it next time. You know, we'll get a receiver next offseason. You, you can't do that. Do what you have to do right now. Right now. You rarely have this much cap space. This is a ridiculous amount of leverage that the Jets have entering this offseason. They're likely going to have a new regime, maybe the same general manager. That's another topic we could delve into, but... You look at what the Jets have right now, and you can't let this opportunity go to waste. You're looking at a four- or five-year window right now. Now, the window of Darnold, hopefully for the Jets, would be 10, 15 years. But in terms of surrounding Darnold with weapons to win now, you're looking at four or five years. So if you mess it up now, you're going to have another five-year lulling period where you're bad. Mm -hmm. And then you could try again in five years. Right. But if you're able to surround him with the, with the weapons now – you could go and compete for Super Bowls or multiple Super Bowls in the next couple of years, and Bell's the perfect guy for that because he's at 27 and he's probably 
in the latter window of about three years of prime left of his career and, and top playing days. Yeah, especially with Darnold, like you said, they could definitely make a Super Bowl run. I think if they do get a new GM and a new coach, it could be a whole new era for the Jets, especially with whoever they draft in the 2019 draft, whoever they sign in the offseason, they could actually become a team that's a force to be reckoned with and actually someone that may be able to beat the Patriots. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, if I see it being anyone in the AFC East, I think it would be them with Darnold and with potential weapons. But the guy that's going to go and spend that money, I think that's in question as well. For you, Emmanuel, as a Jets fan, do you trust Mike McCagnin to be the guy that's going to get Le'Veon Bell? I believe I heard this take a couple days ago on the radio, and it's interesting because who else? If you're not going McCagnin, who's had an up-and-down tenure with the Jets, granted, there's no real executive out there where you just say, I'm going to take a bunch of money out of my pocket, lure him here, and he's the guy. I don't think I can name one of those off the top of my head that's going to be lured available this offseason. So McCagnin, he hasn't been great, but he also hasn't been terrible. So I don't think he's done enough to warrant that instinct, oh, he needs to go. I think you give, you, you've give you seen enough from this guy, enough positives where you can give him one more shot with this huge offseason to turn the tides of the franchise. And it needs to go in order. So you need to have the GM making the decision on the coach. And I think execs in football are a little overblown. Right. Because the talent's pretty clear. I think in other sports, especially baseball, when you're building a top-to-bottom system, you know, in football, that's not the case. You have the 53-man roster, and you have just a couple spots that are really more important, and you can't drop the ball on those spots. Has McCagney had some questionable picks in the later rounds of the draft? Absolutely. But I don't see how he could be saying, ah, we're not going to sign Le'Veon Bell. If you have $100 million in cap space and not the deepest free agent class, as long as he... If he doesn't sign Le'Veon Bell, if he doesn't sign another free agent like a Dante Fowler or a Golden Tate, that's the only way that he would really drop the ball this offseason. And with that much money, I kind of trust him. Yeah, I don't. I think it's pretty black and white. I, I don't think it's that hard to use this $100 million and completely mess it up unless you completely whiff on those guys. So if you give McCagney the reins, it's a matter of spending that money wisely and constructing that team. You just mentioned two of those guys. You want Golden Tate here. You want a guy like Le'Veon Bell here. Then maybe you want a defensive end like Demarcus Lawrence or, or mm-hmm. so, someone who's available on the market to kind of bolster this and make this as close to a championship team as possible. So there's enough money available where it's not like you're completely restricted as to as to what you're doing. It, it's not like you need a unbelievably gifted GM in here to do the job. And McCagnin's done enough positive, I think, over his tenure where you can trust him to do that. And also, he's going to be the guy hiring the coach. You're not going to have any limbo in terms of who's making that call. Yeah, and I think that might even be a more important decision. But Todd Bowles up to this point, 26-40. and 40, Or I could be wrong there. 24-39 as the head coach of the New York Jets. Did Todd Bowles get a fair shot in his four-year tenure? I think he definitely got a fair shot, and I— think he should be out now as harsh as that sounds to say I I do think he's had his chance and I think that the Jets could do so much better for a head coach and with a new head coach even if they get like Le'Veon Bell or Dante Fowler and with Sam Darnold if they still have Bulls as a coach I don't know if they would be able to become a team that people are 
are worried to play. I think that that would happen possibly with a new head coach. Maybe not next year, but in the next coming years, at least in two or three years, I think with the new head coach, they will be a much better team. This guy's been given a fair shot. I I think a lot of people throughout the first three years said the jury's still out on this guy. We haven't seen enough. Let's see more of his in-game decision-making. Let's see if it improves. And nothing ever changed. You entered this year, and you wondered what the guy was capable of as a head coach. Everything that was alarming about the first three years came to fruition in terms of in-game decisions, how he handles himself, shows absolutely no emotion. The guy doesn't look like he cares about what he's doing. And now the signs are so clear near the end of his tenure that he's completely given up in terms of actually giving the media uh, – fortifiably good answers yeah, to questions. Yeah. I couldn't get more than a five-second bite when I was cutting sound for Todd Bowles the other week. So it, it's just crazy how far this has fallen. And I think ever since that last week of the – I'm not sure. I can't pinpoint the exact year. And maybe it was 16, 17, or 15, I think it was 15, 16 with Ryan Fitzpatrick where they were almost able to make the playoffs at 10 and 6. Yep. They had a big win against the Patriots. The final week where they didn't come to play against – the Buffalo Bills on the road, and you had players since then, including Darrell Rivas, admit that that team was not ready to play that week and wasn't made ready to play. The Jets have been an atrocious football team mm-hmm. since that game. So I think he's been given more of a chance to prove himself, and now it's just time to go. It's time to turn the page. Yeah, I mean, at times I almost feel bad for the guy because he had the 10-6, and 6, which proved to be an anomaly. You know, he had Ryan Fitzpatrick pulling lightning out of a bottle in one year, and then after that he gets a year of... Fitzpatrick, who was mediocre, he gets a year of Josh McCown, who played pretty well but didn't really have much to work with. And at times, that team played well in 2017. They almost beat the Patriots, if not for a blown call on an Austin Safarian Jenkins touchdown. I think they almost beat Atlanta as well, maybe Carolina. So they were some games that they could have won. And then he gets this year with a rookie quarterback that was hurt at times. So that just makes me think, oh, maybe this guy didn't get a fair shot just because of the quarterback. But then you just jog your memory back into all the issues that have that he's had on this team. Tremaine Johnson this week is ridiculous. He's nowhere to be found. You know, and they're calling it an in house matter. And then um, his response is whoever practices will play. Yep. Well we know. Yeah. I, I mean that's the way football works. He doesn't give you a direct response to anything. It's this continuous. It's infuriating. Sheldon Richardson, tons of issues with him. It looks like Leonard Williams doesn't want to be there. And this is a defensive minded head coach, and guys on the defensive side of the football are not showing up to play for him. Jamal you can't buy into too much what Jamal Adams is saying because he's such a good teammate, he's such a good guy, he's such a coachable player, and he wants to be the guy that's that they're going to build around on the defensive side. So I don't think you can buy too much into what he's going to say. He's not going to sell anyone out. He's too smart for that. So I think just based off of that with Johnson, Richardson, Williams, who else? Wilkerson. There's been a ton of guys that it's just been constant issues. Jordan Jenkins, there's been problems. So he can't keep his team in check. And I think for that reason, he's got to go. But before we get into our pickums. I, I, there's no one off the top of my head aside from Mike McCarthy that I feel like there's like a sh- like they should need to go out and get this guy. But other than McCarthy, who would you say? I would be fine with McCarthy. I think a guy with an NFL coaching pedigree with a championship under his belt, you really can't refute that pick. And at least he's not a laughing stock coach that you're going to bring in here. At least he's not one of those defensive-minded guys that would drive Jets fans nuts, which how they how they've gone these last few times. I'm fine with McCarthy. If not that, I'd be totally fine with Jim Harbaugh. Although I don't think they'll lure him away. Uh, from Ann Arbor, I just don't think that'll work. Um, Lincoln Riley's another guy. If you're somehow able to get him in the mix, 
somehow able to lure him out of college. These offensive-minded college coaches I'm a big fan of. So if whether it's Harbaugh, whether it's Riley, I'm fine with that. If they're able to get their hands on Riley, I'd probably go for that. Mm. But ultimately, just give me one of these guys that I can live with, an offensive-minded guy that can take Darnold to the next level, can work with the offense that contains numerous weapons unlike previous years. Don't give me another Bulls. I, I will lose it if they bring in a good guy that's defensive-minded. So Lincoln Riley or Mike McCarthy, that's, that's, that's me. How about you? Yeah, I've been saying, well, I haven't been saying for a while, but for the past two weeks or so, I've been saying it should be Lincoln Riley. Um, at Oklahoma, he's 24-3, and three, which I think is um, obviously a huge improvement from what you said Bulls was with the Jets. Um, so I, I think as the head coach of Oklahoma, he's been great. So I think as the head coach of the Jets, if they could get him to the NFL, would do strides for them. Yeah, yeah I'm on with McCarthy. Um I, I think I don't know how you can pass that up. It's almost too good to be true. You're not going to come across a coach that's won a Super Bowl too often. And he'd want a coach for the Jets, I think. Yeah, yeah He's going to be actively searching for a new job. You're going to have the money to pay him. You could probably outbid any competitor, mm-hmm. whether that be the Browns or anyone else that may be searching for a new coach. If you can get Mike McCarthy in here, you do it. And I'd love Lincoln Riley. I'd love that idea. But I almost view that as a plan B. Yeah. To lure him out of college if he hasn't been already, if McCarthy doesn't work out. You don't get too many opportunities, especially with this cap room, this ability to resurrect your franchise in the same offseason that you get rid of a toxic head coach and can bring in a former Super Bowl winner. Get it done. Hey, look, I think it's an attractive destination, the Jets, because you have New York. I mean, I I don't think a head coach cares too much about the market that he's in, but hey, New York's a pretty good place to live year-round. Um, in my opinion, at least, you have a young quarterback that you can build around. You have a ton of cap space where you can have some input and say, "I want to get Le'Veon Bell. I want to get." You can like pick and choose like who your free agent. If, he, if he's would on be. the work same page with McCagnan, yeah, work with McCagnan. Get Bell, Tate, Demarcus Lawrence. You mentioned Dante Fowler, whoever. You can get these guys in here, and you can really build something for the future. So I think getting McCarthy will be a breeze. And it's kind of like a building from the ground up scenario where. As you said, influence for the head coach. You bring him in here. You're still a little far away from being at where you want to be, but it, most of it can be accomplished this offseason. Yeah. So you can almost view this as your baby, your project. You're McCarthy. You come in here. You want another ring or a couple of rings on your hand before your career is over. You get that idea of how you can do it, and you have the resources to do it. So that's why I think, aside from being in New York, aside from having the quarterback, any franchise with that type of reins – it's an attractive scenario, and the Jets happen to be in New York and happen to have the quarterback. So for the final time of 2018, we'll give our picks. And this is always my favorite segment of the week, so we'll jump right into it. Um, Miami at Buffalo. I like Miami here. Uh, they're going to finish the season out strong. Last time against Buffalo, you had Tannehill having a strong effort. I don't see any reason why Buffalo is favored in this game I don't believe they are uh give me Miami on the road eight and eight season for the Dolphins yeah I agree with everything you just said Miami for me yeah I'll go Miami as well they're dogs I'm not really sure why I might have to look into that one producer Jimmy Sullivan is the lone Buffalo Bill in this one wow I I'm interested to hear an explanation (laughs) for that later Jimmy Atlanta at Tampa Bay I'm gonna go Tampa here I see a pretty lopsided matchup here I think I'm going to go with Atlanta. I think it's going to be a good game, definitely, even though um, 
Atlanta is six and nine and the Buccaneers are five and ten. There's not really that much of a difference. But I do think that Atlanta will be able to take the win. Yeah, flip a coin. I'll go Tampa Bay. Uh, Dallas at the Giants. I had Dallas. I'm going Giants because of the reason I said before. I think Dallas plays their starters for a quarter or two. And then they come out. The Giants are going to be playing for the win. Um, they got Saquon on their side. They got some of these weapons that have proved they can do the job for a couple weeks. Give me the Giants in a tight one. I'm going Giants. They're going to finish strong. They showed last week that they could do it, even though they only showed up for the first half. They showed last week that they could win, and I think they will. I think Saquon's carries will be dialed back a little bit. You just got to make sure that he's 100%. Just get him out of the season healthy. Yeah, exactly. He has a couple records, by the way, that he could break rookie-wise. Two receptions, I think. And he joins. like He becomes one of three NFL running backs in their rookie year to do that. And then he's also closing in on 2,000 all-purpose yards, Mm. which should be interesting. Yeah, Carolina at New Orleans. I'm going New Orleans. Uh, Carolina's without Cam Newton again, of course. But New Orleans... I don't, I don't see enough weapons for Carolina to come into New Orleans, regardless of the scenario where New Orleans has stuff blocked up. I'm taking the Saints. Yeah, I'm also going New Orleans. I mean, I just think that against the Panthers, I, I honestly don't even think it's going to be close. I think they're going to crush them, even like especially because the Panthers don't have Cam Newton. I just think that the Saints are going to win. Yeah, I forgot they didn't have Cam. Uh, I switched my pick. I'm going New Orleans at home. Uh, Jets in New England. Let's go Jets. <laughs> they are heavily not favored in this one. Big the dogs. Jets have not won in their last five chances against the Patriots. And normally you're talking about a season series that's pretty even. They normally split. They normally give the Patriots a little bit of trouble in terms of the regular season. I'm going to go the Jets to have a little bit of a market correction here. Sam Darnold has a great game. Todd Bowles riles up the squad for his last swan song. Give me the Jets in Foxborough. I agree with what you said about how the Jets always kind of give Patriots a run for their money, but especially because they're playing New England at home, I definitely don't think that the Jets are going to be able to pull out the win. So New England for me. Uh, I'm going to go New England. Uh, Jacksonville at Houston. Jacksonville at Houston. I'm going to go Houston all the way here. Also going to go Houston. Uh, Houston. Uh, Detroit at Green Bay. I think we're, we're all around. Green Bay. We're, yeah. all, we're all across the board here. <laughs> yeah, so three Green Bays, four with our producer, Jimmy Sullivan. Philadelphia at Washington. We didn't get to talk too much about this game, but if Philly wins and Minnesota loses against Chicago, which we'll get to, Philadelphia is in the playoffs, and Nick Foles at quarterback, that scares me. I think Philly sees this as an opportunity. Uh, kind of a lopsided matchup with Washington. I'm going Philly. I'm also going Philly. I think they got this. They have something to play for. St. Nick's going to come out. Unfortunately, I'm going Philly, too. I'm going to say Foles is a big game. Uh, Chargers on the road, high elevation up at Denver. I'm going L.A. I'm going L.A., and I think they ride into the playoffs and have a big postseason. Yeah, I'm also going L.A. Yeah, I'll go L.A., too. Um, that'll put them at 12-4. and four. Pretty surprising to a lot of people. I don't think too many people uh, saw that coming. Oakland at Kansas City. Now, if Kansas City loses this one, and the Chargers win, that'll give the Chargers the division. Right. So, KC sees that. Oakland's a bad football team. Give me KC. Yeah, I really don't think that Oakland is going to beat Kansas City, and Kansas City, I feel, is a pretty decent team. I mean, they've started kind of going downhill in the second half of the season, but I still think that they're going to beat Oakland. Another record to watch, Uh or record-type thing to watch, where Mahomes has 48 touchdown passes, Mm -hmm. so he could become part of that exclusive 50-touchdown group. What does he need for the – didn't Hines say, like, 
if he had 57 touchdown passes, they'd just give him free catch-up for life. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not, not getting that. He's not getting like that. nine. <laughs> yeah, that would be But he'll get 50, I think. Yeah, he'll probably get 50. Um, I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Oakland's like a 14-point dog in this one. I might take those points there, but I'm going to still go KC. For KC by like 12. Yeah. Um, Chicago at Minnesota. Um, now, like we said before, if Minnesota win, it's a win and in for Minnesota. But I don't know. Chicago's a tough opponent. Chicago is a tough opponent, and I think they're tough enough where they could stab these chances for Minnesota, so I'm taking the Bears. Yeah, I think I'm also going to go Bears. Um, I I just think that they've been a great team this year, and even though they've already clinched, I just think that they're going to bring it against the Vikings. We'll see if Trubisky plays. I think that's what it comes down to, but Chase Daniels a pretty capable back. Chicago's pretty dynamic on both sides of the ball. I'm going to go Chicago. Baltimore, Cleveland. In Baltimore. I'm going Cleveland. I'm going Cleveland to stun Baltimore. Pittsburgh gets in the playoffs. Although Baltimore could get in the playoffs and kind of do a run the table thing with all this perfect storm that is added up. I love what Cleveland has done. I'm taking Baker on the road. Cleveland should just get an automatic bid into the playoffs <laughs> because I love Cleveland right now. I want the Browns to win. I mean, I've been rooting for them. I want them to do it. But against the Ravens, I just don't think that they're going to. So that's why I'm going with the Ravens. Hey, I'm the biggest Baker guy out there. Um, And if he had started the first two games, we could be talking about Cleveland being a playoff team. Right. Because they tied and then they lost by three against the Saints on a couple of, you know, missed extra points. Um, But I'm going to go Baltimore here. I think that uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be a little bit too unique for Cleveland. San Francisco at the Rams. Uh, I don't even think we need to say anything no. there. Rams no. across the board. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh wins. Uh, stuff on the line for the Steelers. This goes along with my Cleveland pick. I uh, Pittsburgh winning, prevailing. They go into the postseason, but they don't do much. Yeah, this is one that I was really having trouble picking, but I think ultimately I'm going to go with the Steelers. Yeah, I, I went with the Steelers too, but unfortunately for them, no playoffs uh, heading into the new year. Uh, Arizona at Seattle, uh, same thing. I think we'll just go Seattle across the board. They're not losing that game at home. Uh, Indy at Tennessee, this one got flexed into Sunday Night Football, winning in. I'm surprised we have across the board, it seems here, going to Indy because, again, I like the quarterback matchup. I think luck gets into the playoffs, and by extension, they become a dangerous playoff team with an elite quarterback. Yeah, with luck, I definitely think they're in, and who knows, maybe they could go all the way. I'm going India as well, and so is our producer, Jimmy Sullivan. Jimmy, thank you, sir. Uh, great job once again for Manuel Barbari, Artemis Segaris. Uh We'll have NFL Friday coming throughout the playoffs every single Friday into the new year. Thanks for listening.